Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. All right, Chelsea fans, we are back in the podcast studio, hitting it up after another Chelsea win this week. Loving the vibes that we have right now. And as always, I am joined by Nick and not Dan and Mike. And well, you know, I mean, Nick, it, it, it's not every weekend that he's at a music festival, but every other weekend. Yeah, you know, you know how Dan rolls. He's he's the high roller of the of the club. He travels a lot, private jets and such. So, uh, couldn't get the helicopter to bring him back uh, from ACL, uh, which is the Austin City Limits uh, music festival. So, I guess you're stuck with me again, which is, you know, either good or bad, Mike, depending on your on your persuasion there. I think it's good. You know, I'm looking at it this way as, uh, you know, I might not be your number one pick of uh, a la Giroux, but, you know, like Murata, I'm going to come on and uh, score a goal today. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Thank you for saving your performances for when it matters most. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we do have uh, a guest with us coming back, uh, Jeff Borzella from ESPN, college hoops guru, absolutely uh love having you on jeff it's been a little bit not too long and i think the last time we talked to you technically legally you were single but now congrats my man on the marriage and everything else 
Yeah. I yeah. will. I, I will not tell my now wife that you said I was single like five months ago. Legally. Legally. Very much. Not so much in the relationship world on Facebook. I'm sure. Anyways, Jeff, it is good to have you back, man. Uh, you know, it's been. It's been a little bit of a, of a while, but you know, for those fans who do not know, because actually we have a, a bigger audience than last time you were on, is that uh, so we've we've essentially connected with you on Twitter uh, because we saw you tweeting about Chelsea games and like that. Uh, so for those who don't know, you know, yes, you are a, a college basketball, you know, first come, but Chelsea is. I don't know. Is that the next level for you? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think of all the, if I root for any professional sports team, like Chelsea is by far number one. I just, I don't know. It, it started like, I guess, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. And it's just, it's grown. It's, it's, it's the only team that I sort of set aside time to watch. Oh, that's awesome. Um, obviously, so we're going to, you know, cover the the Southampton match from today, you know, but we've got a lot to get into before that. Uh, real quick, a huge shout out to Justin who just joined the Patreon club. Welcome, my man. I sent you a message. Yeah. You got some benefits up? coming your way. Um, Dan isn't here, Nick, so I'm going to have to pass the iTunes review torch to you. All right. Uh, so seven new reviews this week. You guys are absolutely just murdering the game. Uh, Gracho 3, Blacker Box. Lizardo Ball, A.D. Thompson 7, Relaxed Maple, which is probably my favorite. <laughs> Relaxed Maple <laughs> is one of my favorite usernames of all time, so well done. Gimshaft and Black and Blue, uh, who's an Australian person, so uh, hello uh, to, to our friends down under. Uh, you guys are rocking and rolling. Uh, Dan will be back next week to to give you your proper plaudits, but um, in the meantime, you get little old me, so there you go. All right. Well, to kind of kick this one off, I want to talk about the tweet uh, that Dan sent out this morning. It says, "Remember, hot or not? Question mark. Let's apply the same scoring to Chelsea's new third kit." Eighty-three uh, percent saying fire, seventeen percent saying ice, not hot. And then Connor Beedling on Instagram saying, "What did you all think about the third kits?" For me, I thought they looked amazing. Jeff, what did you think about the third kit debut? I thought it was okay. I mean, I don't know if I would I would call it hot. I, I mean, like the yellow ones, those are, like, to me, those are far and away better um, than these Couldn't ones. Couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not bad. I definitely wouldn't put I wouldn't put a, a, a snowflake next to them, but there's some somewhere in between. I guess I would lean more toward hot. I just I definitely like the yellow ones better. I, I must be in the minority here, but I think they look horrible. Like... I was waiting until I saw him on TV to give like a proper judgment on the kit because you never really know in like the uh, overly doctored Nike ads when they come out uh, how they're going to actually look. I think the orange is fine, but like the the color of blue just rubs me the wrong way and it looks like we're city. I just don't get why they chose this that color blue. Like it's not a Chelsea blue and like if you do a yellow or a black, it's clear you're just doing it for like a contrast and like a totally different thing. This is just like a random blue that they chose that has like no, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really catch the eye or anything like that, like a yellow or a black would. I just don't get it. Yeah. I, I th- you know, I think they were trying to go back to that the, that gray and orange cores kit. Um, but again, I, I think this is that problem in which we don't really know what color those kits are because anytime you look at them in different lighting, it's, it's just like, is that white? Is it gray? Is it blue? You know, it's... It's weird, and I just, as a details guy, those socks, I'm just not a fan of the orange socks. 
They're different, that's for sure. But it's kind of interesting to see on Twitter how overwhelmingly hot they, the responses were on them. Uh, anyways, if you weren't on Twitter and you want to let us know, hit us up on social media. I'm genuinely interested to what fans are because I'm completely confused and not sure what to make of them. So uh, anyways, uh, let's move on. Uh, Nick, as we continue to talk about our upcoming trip to London uh, from December 28th to January 2nd, we have just been overwhelmed with the amount of questions and interest that we've gotten. Obviously, we just want to get this out to as many Chelsea fans as we can in hopes that we can kind of make as many dreams come true about going and actually watching Chelsea play live in person. Yeah, man. Um, again, we're, we're always open, so DM us or email us with uh, with your questions or comments. We've had a, a bunch of people you know, ask about extending their stay or, or tickets to different events while they're in London, and so we've been able to connect uh, those folks with the proper uh, through the proper channels at, at XL Tours. Um, so excited about that! It's just really fun going with a group of like-minded Chelsea fans and exploring London together. And you know, we're going to be there for New Year's Eve, and I think some some plans are in the works already to watch some fireworks and you know do do it right. So uh, again, uh, we're looking at about the December twenty twenty eighth through the second of January. So we'll be there for. Uh, New Year's, we'll have a, a match against Southampton at home this time on the 1st, and we'll be uh, at Palace away, so our first official away match as a pod um, at Palace, which will be fun. Uh, so really just excited to to go back and meet up with all of our, uh, all of our London-based friends again. Mike, it's going to be pretty excellent. Yeah, as, as somebody who uh, put my own... Uh my own money towards going on a trip this past December. It's worth it. It's it's one of those experiences in which, you know, making that pilgrimage to Stamford Bridge is one thing, but to do it uh, with a group of other people and you know to 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 be there on, on on match day, it's it's something else. So I I highly highly recommend it. All right. Well, anyways, like I said, come to London with us. It, it'll surely be a blast. Um, Jeff, have you? had the the fine fortune of watching Chelsea play in person? I have not. I was actually going to go there. I think I probably mentioned this on a previous spot. I wanted to go there for my bachelor party. And my wife was like, you're not going to go to London for the first time without me. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, like, she wants to go. And when we when when we both go, that's when I'll go. I wish these trips were not right in the middle of college basketball season because I would probably go. Um so it's it's on my to-do list for the next for for the pre-child life of mine sure you definitely would have to hit like an early season match wouldn't you like august september or late or like april may all right well let's go to may for the trophy celebration huh the the open bus top tour i like that i like that all right let's go ahead and move to the match review time obviously playing southampton in the Premier League at St. Mary's. It was this past Sunday, October 7th. If you missed it, Blues 3, Saints 0. Uh, um, again, Mike, I'm getting really confused on the amount of correct score predictions we're getting week in, week out. It makes me really kind of question what I'm doing wrong in this role. Well, yeah, I mean, we got to give a shout out to my Instagram family here. Uh, six correct score predictions we had. Um, we had a lot of them. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> so, El Jefe uh, Gonzalez. Uh, El Jefe Gonzalez, that's right. B-N-D-D-C-Y-L. Uh, there's I Am Luckman, uh, Ardale Hall, who's crushing it. God. Two in a row. Smashing it. Um, 
Sashin Tomar, shout out to him. Then there's D Jogani, 22. Uh, then, of course, on Twitter, we had 38 Blues. He killed it again this Man. time. And Facebook, best for last, Janique. Congrats. Huge, Janique. huge congrats to Janique, too. She got a two page spread in. Uh, and was it the Chelsea, the Chelsea Magazine, something like that? So she got highlighted when Chelsea came over and, and uh, did their pub stop in New York. So yeah, big week for her. Don't, don't forget us when you're famous, Janique. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we even had people calling the correct uh, Ross Barkley score predictions along with a Man. correct score. I mean, Ugh. killing it. Even those brave souls predicting a Murata goal. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the stones uh, on you guys for that. That's incredible. <laughs> nuts. I mean, never mind. Anyways, literally. Nick, <laughs> um, lineup time. Obviously, Chelsea, uh, 4 3 3, as you would absolutely expect. Uh, maybe one surprise in the midfield, though. Indeed. Uh, I think with the, you know, we'll start to see a little bit more rotation with the midweek matches. So. Uh, your your classic uh, Kepa, Rudiger, Alonso, uh, Cesar Espilicueta, Luis, backline, uh, Jorginho, N'Golo Conte, Ross Barkley getting the start in the Premier League. Good for him. Um, and then, of course, we have our Belgian wizard, Eden Hazard, Olivier Giroud, World Cup winner, Olivier Giroud, has to be said, and then Willian uh, to round out the front three. So uh, only one change, uh, but certainly giving Kovacic a little bit of a rest, which I thought was was warranted. And then the bench of Caballero, Zapacosta, Cahill, Fabregas, Kovacic, Pedro, and Alvaro Morata. Yeah, that's right. No room for youth. And we do have to go back and correct it is World Cup winner N'Golo Kante as well. Uh, I know he doesn't like to talk about it. He's modest. I love that, man. I, I messed it up. That's my fault. All right. Match stats. Chelsea, 65% possession away on the road. Uh, six shots on target off 21 shots. Now, here's where it gets concerning. Southampton also had six shots on target off 15 shots, and that will play into what we're going to talk about later because Southampton had way too many chances today. Uh, Chelsea at at a low 842 touches, another low of 652 passes. If we're not getting close to 750 and 1,000, I don't know what we're doing. This is Maurizio. Sorry, people. Um, The next place we go is the corners. 12 corners, 10 in the first half, only two in the second. Again, let's revisit that. So anyways, Jeff, I don't know if you remember the 30th minute as we look to run down the goals, but one Eden Azard uh, bearing the first one off a great assist from Ross Barkley. Yeah, it was just sort of a smooth play from both of them. Well, after Hazard got got dispossessed, um, Ross Barkley tackled, won the ball, and then just laid it off perfectly for for Hazard, who calmly put it in the back of the net. And it was just really calm, smooth play from both of them. And and that's sort of it was just basically it was Sari's um, pressing um, in, in a nutshell. It was just winning the ball back quickly and then finishing. And a shout out to Barkley on that. That's actually not the most easy pass as well and plus like the easy pass would have been right down the middle but he had the awareness and the vision to open up and and see Eden off to his right so very well done Nick coming to you in the 57th minute Ross on the score sheet himself assist from the World Cup winner Olivier Giroud yeah this was sexy I can't lie it was it was perfectly timed Um, nice chip ball over the top Olivier Giroud goes full Gareth Bale um, trying to uh, bicycle uh, this thing across. It was kind of a a perfectly, you know, when they showed the slow-mo from the side angle, it was kind of like a perfectly timed ball that kind of dribbled through um, an advanced Southampton defender and in between another one who was kind of lagging behind. And then you had your 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 classic shin 
goal, Jeff, uh, from Ross, who uh, who did not quite connect with it the way he would have wanted to, but they all count, right? Hey, he was he was right. He was in the right place at the right time. You know, from someone who's coming off the bench, a goal and assist is a hell of a day. Um, so you know, well done for Ross. Uh, the good news is I think one of about any three different Chelsea players are ready to tap that one in. But, hey, you know, like you said, right place, every, right time. Every time he scores, he's Boss Barkley now. All right? that has It's done. It's being said. I will say it. I hope we get another or hope we get a Skype interview with Ross Barkley and you get to ask him just like you had to ask Cesar assist Pilaqueta what he thinks <laughs> That's about right. that. I'm thinking I Ross might up. not be as excited. <laughs> Baus. I'm going to call him Baus. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and fast forward, Mike, to the 93rd minute when Alvaro Morata, that is right, the Spanish super sub gets a goal, assist Eden Hazard. Yeah, I mean, definition of if you don't succeed the first time, try try again. Uh, <laughs> you know, once again, you know, it's beautiful running, and Eden released him into the box one on one, the keeper, and, you know, he just chipped him beautifully this time. Yeah, it was, it was the second time that Eden had literally slipped uh, Murata in for the finish. The first time, smashed right at the goalie. Never going to work. Um, I think that the announcer said in this match, he was Murata had only had two goals in his previous 20 appearances for Chelsea. Uh, I think Naz Kinsella on Twitter was saying that uh, Murata had 14 chances against Vidi, and uh, it only took him two chances today to get his goal. So progress, guys. You know, hashtag progress. Yeah, he's batting 500, man. That's, that's hey, I mean, uh, for real, though, I think we all have to feel pretty pretty happy for him. It was a nice finish. He messed the first one up. So this was, uh, there was just like kind of a sense of relief, I feel. And, and it was definitely warranted. Like, Chelsea, my, my analogy for the whole match, and we'll get into kind of the major topics here, but my analogy at the pub was it, it looked for most of the match like Chelsea was a cat who was playing with a half-dead mouse. You know, like it was just kind of kind of batting it around a little bit, seeing if it was still alive. And you know, at the end of the game, it wasn't alive anymore. Uh, Southampton are dreadful. So I don't know. I mean, we can just get into that right away. It's Southampton were plenty dangerous. I mean, when every time Bertrand had it out wide, if we had someone that could cross like he does and put it in a dangerous area, we would have significantly more goals. I mean, every time he put the ball in the box specifically, it was threatening. Keppa had two huge saves. One and a half if you're not a goalkeeper, potentially. Um, but I think that, like, Saints, they created a ton of dangerous uh, opportunities. The problem is they just sat back and took the beating, like you said, and Chelsea weren't clinical enough. Um, you know, I, I that kind of leads me into the, in the first question is that what a monster performance it was in the first half by Chelsea. But, unfortunately, with all of those chances and possession, we're only up one nothing at half. And the Saints had the better of the chances uh, Mike, why? Can you explain to me why in the world Chelsea were so close to the Saints and could potentially even been losing on a different day? Oh, I, I mean, I think it's very simple. We're, we're watching teams, you know, put nine, ten men behind the ball and make us really, really break them down. And in order to do that, we're pushing up, you know, our midfield and even our back line pretty high. So when, when we do turn that ball over, I think Barkley had a couple um, – poor passes that he got picked off and you know it's they're getting good breaks on us they're they're hitting us on the counter so I think that that allows for them to get um really good looks you know luckily Danny Ings can't can't hit from about what inside the six yard box oh three feet yeah great great piece of skill to put it over the bar um 
I have things to say <laughs> about him later in this in this pod because the guy's an asshole. But um, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't don't hold back, Mike. Tell us how you well, really feel. Well, no, I mean his tackle on on Kovacic, like he should have been off. He, Criminal. Yeah, it's, that's an ankle breaker, and it, it's not an accidental. He was look. I mean, like I said, I, there's a lot to be said about. Um, how South I'm sorry. How Southampton played, and that was bullshit. And I, I don't think yellow cards are enough. We need to start looking at other ways to protect players because, you know, teams are just going to start, you know, hurting us, hurting City, and it's just, you know, it's just going to ruin the the game. Well, I mean, teams teams seem to be rotate like rotating guys to to tackle. I mean, Hazard is the obvious one. And they're just sending, you know, one guy every few minutes to go do it. And, you know, you can have seven guys with yellow cards, but you still have 11 people on the on the pitch. And so it, it doesn't really matter to them. And, and at the end of the day, Chelsea are going to be the one. I mean, obviously, Chelsea's not the only team that gets that gets tackled like this. And Hazard's not the only player. But, I mean, th- those are the guys that are going to be hurt by it. It's not going to be the Southamptons and, and, I guess, United last year and, or the year before uh, when they were just hacking him away. But, I mean, they're still going to have 11 people on the pitch and, and Hazard's going to have, you know, a, a broken ankle or, or Kovic is going to have a broken leg. It's, I mean, th- to me, it's, it's there has to be something done just to protect the, the, the people that are actually trying to play football. You know, Jeff, we were talking about this at the pub and I'm curious of your thought. I think we almost need to go the 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 route of what hockey does and start looking at minor, minor and major penalties and people having to play down a man, you know, maybe that the orange card or whatever you want to call it, in which your you know systemic fouling is not effective because you're going you know you're down a man for be it two or five minutes or whatever it is. Do you think that has any chance in in the game as it is today? I don't. Th- I mean, I, I think that would help. I, I don't think it has any actual hope of being implemented. Unfortunately, um, I just I think it would be it would sort of go away from the 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 yellow card and red card system that has worked for so long. So I just don't think they would do it. But I mean, that to me that would be a very obvious way to to protect the players. Well, and we have to think too. Possum was the referee in this game. Who is? Oh yeah, get in there, Craig. Just- just awful. I, I mean, he actually wasn't he wasn't so awful today. I thought that he actually picked up on the systemic fouling pretty quickly in the game, um, which which was helpful. In the second half, in the second half, he was a lot better. Yeah, but like, you know, my expectation level with him refereeing a game is so low that even if he does a, a decent job, it feels like he, you know, was Howard Webb, you know, so it's just like... Uh, yeah, he uh, wasn't peak Pawson, like you said. I mean, you know, South, Southampton did get six yellow cards, so they will be getting a, a nice little fine from the FA because that, you know, that's what's important is uh, is it raising more money for the coffers in the FA. Scarlet letter coming, coming soon. So the next one I have is: Does anyone anyone know why Chelsea weren't able to keep up the momentum from the first half and really just let Southampton back into the game a bit more in the second half? I mean, Nick. Um, I, I generally was trying to just watch this morning from the hotel and, and trying to, I don't, like, I don't know. It was so successful in the first half. Like Southampton literally couldn't get out of their own defensive area. Uh, that's when we rattled off those 10 corners almost consecutively. But it seems like in the first half, Chelsea just weren't trying to press them nearly as hard. And I wonder if maybe that was because we were getting burned on the counterattack so bad. Yeah, I don't know what happened, actually. It, you know, my... my Dead mouse analogy earlier was kind of the first half where, you know, there's just no sign of life. And I think the NBC commentators did a great job 
uh, Robbie Musto um, in particular, just saying, "What what's the point of playing football if you're going to play like that?" <laughs> you know, like that that was essentially his analysis. Like that has to just be miserable to be on the other side of. Um, and I, I think the I think the point that I would make in the second half is it felt like Chelsea were were overthinking some things because they had been so dominant in the first half and didn't have that, you know, kind of second, third goal to show for it. They, they got kind of complacent, started overthinking some passes, and there were some just kind of wayward long balls that were being played from both Rudiger and David Luiz. And I was like, man, like, that's just not great. Alonzo was, was not having a phenomenal defensive day um, and I think was, you know, had was in and out on some things and and I think kind of sparked to life at the end but it it was just not it wasn't as sharp until about the you know this the after Barkley's goal it was kind of assured that we were going to win but the 70th minute on was a lot better and um yeah I just don't know I don't know why Chelsea lets teams back in if that's just a human nature thing Mike or or what you know I think unfortunately a little bit of the Sarisimo is we almost it's it's like we lull ourselves to sleep a little bit or we're overconfident or you know i almost liken it um you know it's got to be tough as a defender to have 75 80% possession and then the few real touches you have are kind of bs you know 10 15 you know yard passes that are not under pressure and then all of a sudden you're you're under the gun i i, I almost look at it like you know keepers who have no shots at all in a half and then you know, you kind of have to stand on top of your head to make something happen. So I think you lose a little bit of your sharpness. Um, I I think, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I hope we can work on this because it's definitely an area in which against teams with more class, they're not going to miss the opportunities that Southampton did. And, you know, we're looking at either a draw or a loss as opposed to a nice win. I think we're being a little I, – I think we're overthinking it too, kind of. Uh, you know, the team won 3-0. There, sure, there were moments in the match where Southampton could have got back into it, Jeff, but a 3-0 win in the Premier League is a 3-0 win. And and I think, sure, there are some things we can clean up, but, like, let's not let's not distract ourselves with the, you know, three or four things that went wrong and from, from the, you know, 150 things that clearly went well today. Yeah I, yeah, I think some credits go to Southampton, too. I mean, if you like in the first half, it was obvious Mark Hughes was uh, livid at what was going on. And, you know, every time that Southampton had the ball, they would clear it, and Chelsea would get it back for another two minutes. And it, it seemed to be just annoying the hell out of them. And I'm guessing at halftime, he he sort of lit into them. And, you know, they, they brought on Romeo um, to sort of, I guess, shore up the, the midfield a little bit. So they made some changes that, um, you know, it, it made them a little bit more dangerous. And I think they realized that, um, you know, Chelsea can be had uh, on the counterattack. So I think some credit has to go to them, but, you know, I- I'm with you. I-, I think that at the end of the day, it was a 3-0 win. They, you know, Chelsea played well for probably 75 minutes and and today it was good enough. And, and for against, you know, 15 out of the other 19 teams in the Premier League, it'll 75 minutes will be good enough also. It's kind of an interesting situation, right? Like you're, Mike was saying, against poor teams that pack it in, it's difficult. It's It's hard to focus and concentrate. But when you go toe-to-toe with teams like Liverpool or City or Barcelona, whoever, um, it's more back and forth, so you're engaged a lot more. And I think that Chelsea probably, 
I guess I shouldn't say this. I'm I'm only making assumptions here, but they almost. If you guys ever played like FIFA and you're just destroying someone, like you had like 15 shots to their two, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just cruising. I'm up three nothing, and you and then it's like a draw, and you're like, what the hell happened? You just felt in control, and there was no sense of urgency. And I feel like that could potentially be happening with the the players out there too. Like they had so many chances. Like no, don't worry, it's gonna come. The next one, it'll come. And then 15 chances later, you're like, oh shit, it didn't come. Like it's still one nothing, uh, and I, I do think that that is, you know, sometimes part of part of the the issue. But the good news, I think, guys, is is um, you know even earlier in the season when we're playing what you call quote unquote lower table teams, I think that Chelsea looked a lot more dynamic today. They, I think they like knew what they needed to do against a team like that, and. And that is good because there are going to be a lot of teams that, as you know, we've all talked about, and we've all seen, they're going to sit back deep and, and really be like, hey, if you guys want to pass pretty around us, you know, in front of us, that's fine, but you're not going to get in behind. I thought Chelsea did a good job today of still finding ways to get in behind or get around the byline. Um, and obviously the, the easiest way was, hey, just pass it to Eden and he'll dribble around a player or two and then create space and we, we play off that. So um, I, I think that there are definitely positive signs. But to be fair, Nick, if we don't pull out one negative, what are we going to do on the podcast? Like, what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Jorginho's yeah, five hundred passes. <laughs> and, and and I'm not I'm not typically our beacon of positivity, <laughs> so um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. But I, you know, it's 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 always funny to me that like you know I think that outside of Danny Ying's chance and and you know there are a couple other legit chances for Southampton like. There wasn't a ton of negative to take away from today's game. You know, I felt like we were in control the entire time. And, you know, th- this team still has to do some work. I mean, we-, we all said before the season that, you know, if we were in a decent position and not, you know, 15 points down come November, December, then, you know, who knows what could happen. But, you know, let, let this team do what they're going to do. And, you know, anytime you, you dominate a team, even, you know, a team that I don't think is very good um, on the whole, you know, it's it's a good day in the Premier League. So, you know, I, I would take, you know, some of the frustrations that you have and, and hopefully the team can just apply them moving forward, you know, and I think there there's certainly a couple of areas that we'll touch on, you know, between part one and part two that that have the opportunity to be changed or fixed. Well, and I know that, you know, to be fair, what I, I guess I didn't want to set this up is why was the first half brilliant and the second half terrible? Because that, you know, as you pointed out, that's definitely not the case. Um, but one real big strength we're seeing, again, is the number of goals we're scoring in the last 10, 15 minutes of the match. And again, that just goes back to, sorry, you know, unrelenting pressure on these other teams and and not just saying hey one nothing's good enough two nothing's good enough like we're going and getting the second and the third and the fourth goal and to me I'm really really excited about that with this team you know we've talked about how Ed Nazar doesn't have the killer instinct to go get another goal he sure showed it today for the third goal you know if he wouldn't have passed it to Murata he easily could have cut in or done his own thing and continued on and try to get the third goal himself. But the fact is, he created the third goal and the like absolutely you know killed it off. And so to me, I think that he uh, he showed a lot of that kind of cutting edge and aggression that maybe we haven't always seen from him. And I tell you what, Mike, if there is a season that goal difference is going to play a huge part in who is top four and potentially even the the winner of the Premier League crown this season, 
this is it. I mean, the we'll get into the table later, but there's three teams all on the same amount of points, and then the fourth and fifth team are on the same amount of points as well. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. We're, we're looking at City atop the table with, uh, you know, 18 goal difference. I'm I, 18 goals in eight matches would be great, let alone having that to be your goal differential. So the more we score, you know, the better. And, and I, the point I would like to kind of tie into what you were saying is that Eden was incredibly unselfish. He he has been on fire. He could have taken that into the box. He could have, you know, heaped on more plaudits or another, you know, great goal. But he chose to use that moment to, you know, lift up Marata and give him another really good chance to get to get a, you know, that Premier League goal that he's been chasing. And I think, I think what we're seeing kind of as a team, um, it's it's you can feel it's palpable. You know what I mean? I, I remember, you know. It's kind of that confidence of what we're watching is we we know we have the goals in us. We know we've got this. And sometimes it I think it works a little bit to our disadvantage, you know, when we're only up one goal after, you know, 80, 90 minutes. But um, it's kind of a joy to watch this, you know, the guys playing the way they are and giving each other another chance in which, you know, sometimes, you know, had Murata messed up that first one that maybe another player wouldn't have passed him that second ball. But we're seeing, I think, a real difference between this past year and and now Jeff how, how do you feel well I don't know if you guys saw the the Opta Joe stat I didn't I don't know if you included it in the in the script or anything but like the the they show that there was 31 passes in the build-up to Marata's goal that's the most of any goal by any team in the Premier League this season and that happened in what the 92nd 93rd minute um and it's just it just seems like they're they're just enjoying themselves out there um, you know, every player is getting a touch on the ball. I mean, including Keppa. Um, just, just everyone is out there playing football, and it's it seems like they're having fun. And to the point about Hazard being unselfish, it's it's kind of funny because it, we've always wanted him to be more selfish, and this year he certainly is. He's obviously looking for a shot a lot more, which is great. But at the same time, you know, deep down, he's still the the guy that just wants to go out there and play and, and make everyone happy and get everyone involved. And and now that those two those two, um, I guess, separate entities are, are meshing his unselfish side and, and the side that that he needs to score more goals. He's just becoming such a such a complete player. He is uh, definitely shouldering a ton of the responsibility, which you know that's what we wanted out of this guy, right? You know, he's our talisman. He is our, our world one of our two absolutely world class players. So it's been great. And uh, no, Jeff, we didn't include that stat, so that is all yours. You get all of that credit. That's all I want. Nice. <laughs> All right. What about this? A lot of discussion is obviously going to be around Barkley's performance today. You know, thankfully, he's mostly praise. Be hard to judge him otherwise, I think, after today. So, I mean, Jeff, do you think he did enough to earn more minutes ahead of Kovacic? Uh, do you think we're going to have this? this debate that we thought we we're going to have earlier in the season. And then Kovacic took all the Premier League minutes. We said, all right, this discussion's dead. But it seems like Sari is always interested at having, I don't know if it's competition between those two specifically, or he just sees something in Ross. But um, Ross isn't going away. Yeah, I mean, I still like Kovacic better, but I just think Barkley is, is getting just a little bit better and better every week. I know he, he had the, the mistake against Liverpool last week, but... I think there's a couple of things about Barkley that that are sort of important. A, we're not we're not guaranteed Kovacic back next season. We're not guaranteed Loftus Cheek past you know January for all I know because he just doesn't play. So you know a year from now Barkley could be the the 
nailed on starter. He could be the guy in that role. And I do think that going into the season, a lot of people thought Barkley could be one of the guys to really improve or take that next step under Sari. You know, he's got, he's healthy again. Um, you know, he really hasn't played this much in, in a couple of years now. And so I think it's still taking him some time to get going, but I just think he brings a couple of things different than Kovacic. I mean, Kovacic, he always, he drops back, he gathers the ball and he dribbles forward. And sometimes it gets a little crowded because he likes going into the same areas as Jorginho and Hazard, and they all sort of like getting the ball and gathering and going forward. Barkley, he seems to, to be more comfortable playing in sort of that pseudo number 10 role, um, you know, just be behind the forwards and, and cleaning things up. He's a little bit bigger than Kovacic, obviously not a good, as good of a dribbler, but it seems like he also has a little bit more of an eye for goal. And that's, that's I mean, Kovacic admitted that's been the knock on him is he's not a goal scorer. Barkley, we've seen him in the past. He he can shoot from 25 yards on net. He obviously scored today. Um, so I, I think with those two, I mean, obviously combined, they'd be the perfect player. But I do think that they bring a little bit of something different. So if you have to play them together, you can. If you have to rotate them, you can. I do think today, um, you know, it boosts Barkley's stock a little bit. I still like Kovacic better just because I, I just think he's more talented. But um I think it's a good thing that we're ha- we're even having this debate. I I couldn't agree more with you. I, I until until Kovacic was taken off against Liverpool, I thought he was uh, potentially our best player um, in that match. I thought he was incredible. The amount of stamina and energy he he brought to the first sixty ish minutes of that game were incredible. Uh, I think he is a complete midfielder, whereas I think Ross still has some some things to figure out on the defensive side. But you know, even today, you know his. He picked he picked a pocket and made a really great through ball uh, pass to Hazard for the first goal and you know man that's a learning that's a learning moment for him and I I was really pleased for him to to see the assist I think the the assist to me was more impressive and and more uh, of a statement than than the goal even was uh, to be completely frank with you guys like I I was really impressed with you know the high press and being able to win the ball back and you know I think that's you know, if you have the energy of a Kovacic and an Angola Conte or a Barkley and a Kovacic or a Barkley and a Conte, whatever that combination is going to be, Brandon, uh, it can be dangerous. And I, they obviously all have different skill sets. Um, and there was probably a moment today where N'Golo could have uh, shot the ball uh, on frame and, and elected not to. But, uh, but you know, I think, I think we're starting to see the press work a little bit more in our favor. Oh man, did I want N'Golo to score today? Uh, I was like, <laughs> no one wanted it more than I did. Oh to be honest. man, um, at PitGuy79 on Twitter asking, should Barkley start over Kovacic more often? Uh, you know, we've kind of, kind of walked around this question a little bit. I, you know, to me, I think that um, we got a lot of games to play, and I really like what Sari did. So if we kind of, you know, take a step back and look at both fixtures combined. You know, Maurizio played Kovacic in the midweek, and I like that because it gives us a starter in that midfield to continue to play with the other guys. And then obviously you give Barkley some time, uh, you know, with Jorginho and Conte, which is obviously always going to be different if if Sesk's in there. So I think it it was a really good kind of squad management piece that he did uh, by kind of letting that happen. Look, at the end of the day, it is, is, I guess, from my perspective on this podcast, I would much rather have the debate of, man, who do you play this week? Because, you know, we have multiple people in good form rather than me casting my own judgment and saying, oh, absolutely, Barkley, he's in form, got to play him, Kovacic to the bench. 
um, you know, we've got the games to to pass around minutes, and you know that's what Maurizio is going to do. You know, if anything, I think the question could be more about the fact of his bench and that you had. Uh, you know, zero youth on that bench. So we're seeing actually even less Ruben, less Ampadu, less Callum Hudson-Odoi than what we did under Antonio Conte. And we thought he was absolutely blocking the youth path to the first team. So, uh, you know, I like kind of like, you know, Nick carrying the torch of positivity today. I'm a little hesitant to really dig <laughs> too much into the either or conversation, but mainly just wanted to point out that Ross, the boss Barkley, had yeah. a pretty good day out there. That's my man. I mean that just sounds better than Boss Barkley. Come on, it's just it's longer. You've just added more words. Just just be a good editor and, and cut that down to a more manageable Boss Barkley. So, anyways, we uh, <laughs> want to go ahead and open this up for additional comments. Is there anything, Mike, that we missed that uh, you think that we should bring up from this match? Uh, I, I you know I would love to just weigh in my thoughts on uh, Boss Barkley and uh, Mateo Kovacic. You know, there's a lot of people saying who should be playing and you know call me greedy but i say why not both i would love to see ross get slotted over to the right side of the midfield you know and and you know maybe not the premier league match but maybe cup competitions i would love to see how both of them play and i think that i think i very well think that that might be my next kit barkley is the kind of player all you hear sorry talk about him or the other players is saying all he does is he goes to practice he works his ass off he's eager to learn he's like embraced sorry as kind of like that father figure he you know mentor coach he never had and 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 we're seeing the results on the field um so i i'm extremely happy for how he's doing and i i kind of i think it's that one little piece that we're missing at times is until uh, Kovacic starts shooting more. I think there's just a little bit more uh, offensive, um, a little more venom in the midfield when Ross is there. And I think that just gives us the ability to, you know, play off a rebound or do something else. So I would love to see him both playing. All right. All right, Mike. So now you have really quick. Mike has his new his new graphic for the week is Ross Barkley as Venom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me run that back for for you because maybe you didn't hear the words you said. So if I heard this right, you're saying that we should bench the World Cup winner Angolo Conte to put Ross Barkley in next to Kovacic. Um Yeah? I'm not I'm not saying that. I I think at times and then you went to uh, say that you're going to get posters and a jersey of ross because he's your new favorite player did i hear that right they they are chocolate and peanut butter it's not a matter of which one's better it's both you know no but seriously i don't think that means that conte needs to be on the bench i would like to see a four-man midfield so george oh okay i'm like so now Jorginho's on the bench but no 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 no. oh so who gets the axe william and pedro and you play a diamond midfield and one up top you know, I was not super, super thrilled with uh, some of William's performances recently. And now you're and anti-William. Holy shit. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm saying give give Ross a chance. That's all. Brandon, the antagonist uh, on, on the host duties right now is killing me. Yeah, I'm going to have so much hate. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna let you get to social yourself media. into a corner real fast. <laughs> hey, Jeff, do you want to weigh in? I could I could have a chat with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't see the... I don't see Sarri going to a four-man midfield. It's, I think he's too, uh, he's too, I guess, stringent in his beliefs. But I, I agree. I do think that playing Barkley and, and coaches together, especially against the team that packs it in, I mean, I, I guess I would advocate 
benching World Cup winner N'Golo Kante against some of the, the lesser sides in the, in the league? I think that's reasonable. I mean, we know he's got an engine, but it, surely he'll get tired at some point. Well, we keep saying that, and he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, he is the Energizer Bunny. He is, uh, I don't know. I actually thought, I, I saw some some improvement today from N'Golo Kante uh, in, in just the press alone. I think that it's becoming a more comfortable system. I know that not everyone agrees with that, and, and Ryan Beck keeps, you know, tweeting at me 1,500 times after the game that, you know, N'Golo Kante is not the attacking midfielder we need. Um, that's that's up to your interpretation of you know what you think sorry ball can eventually be, but uh, I'll tell you if you're if you're an opposing uh, team and and your back line is responsible for getting the you know playing the ball out of the back and in Golo Conte and you know some form of William or Hazard or Morata or Giroud are, um, are are the ones pressing you up top that would be a uh, that would be a, a challenge for me to, you know, play the ball out of back with those guys. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting debate that's happening. Yep. And Nick just compared himself to a Premier League footballer. It's a good show. <laughs> that's right. We got, we got a lot going on tonight, guys. This is fun. I'm definitely in shape enough to be. Definitely. <laughs> I did not put down liters of beer at Oktoberfest yesterday uh, at all. So we're good. We're good to go. I'm sure the boys at Chelsea did too. Don't worry. You're not alone. <laughs> all right uh jeff anything else that you want to kind of pull out of this match that we haven't touched on yet um we we hit on a little bit i just there's two things and they're sort of the inverse of each other one sorry came to to chelsea sort of renowned for his corner kick routines he supposedly has 33 of them yeah i don't know where i don't know i've seen three of them and they're all horrible and i'm just <laughs> like it just today maybe it's it's willian is just not hitting the ball right, or I don't know, but it just seems like it's like the near post ball that just is supposed to get flicked, but instead it goes into the third row. There's that flat ball right to like the penalty spot that's super slow, and there's the one that just skies over to the back post. Like there was what ten in the first half, I think you said, and it looked like McCarthy was tested on maybe two of them, and by tested I mean like he had to come out and and hit the ball. Like that was it, and I just you know obviously it didn't really matter today, but you know, at least get some sort of, uh, you know, provide some sort of threat off of them. It's just, I have no confidence. Like when another team has a corner kick, I'm like, I'm terrified they're going to score with Chelsea. It's like, okay, you know, they're going to give the ball away in the next, in the next 15 seconds. And it's just like, if we're going to keep getting so many corner kicks, we might try to, to put some sort of shot on net um, on one of them. And then the inverse of it, the other side, it, it does seem like, and this goes back to, sort of the first match of the season against the Arsenal team, like they were having chance after chance off crosses. Luis and Rudiger seem to get lost a ton. Um, they, they always seem sort of seem to be confused on who's marking whom. You know, Aspilicueta, it seems like he's been a, a step slow at times. So it just seems like, you know, we, we sort of made fun of Ings for missing. And I think Bertrand had a miss from about six yards after went over. But one of these days, the I guess the expected goals are going to come back to haunt us. And those, those shots are going to be finished. And suddenly it's going to be a 2-2 game against Southampton. And so, you know, I, I do think against against good teams, you know, we're going to be in trouble. We can't give so many chances off crosses and, and cutbacks and things like that because eventually it's going to come back to kill us. Can, can I say one thing? Um, no. Especially about the... <laughs> especially about the Bertrand miss um, as a center back myself, it, it enraged me. 
Um, it's one of the few things that Eden did that pissed me off in this match is he literally watched Bertrand run in front of him behind the D and didn't even call out to as Piliqueta or, or one of the center backs and let him go basically to the, you know, to the back door unmarked. Uh, and I think that as great as the offensive football is that we're playing, we allow um, midfielders and, and you know, wing backs to maraud through our, our defensive third and just release players onto the center backs. And I think at times it's very unfair and people blame Rudiger and, and Louise, but that, that was definitely not their fault in my opinion. That's a fair point. I, 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 do, I do think it, they, they have, I mean, so on one of Gabby Adini's shots, I think he allowed Louise allowed him to receive the ball turn very easily and get a shot off. So I'm just, there are some mistakes that I think are going to eventually, um, you know, they're eventually going to be finished and it's, we're going to be in a tighter game. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it's situational, but I, I definitely see the cracks that you've kind of mentioned, Jeff. I think that, um, you know, it, it was that near post header was that Newcastle. And we're like, Oh my gosh, he blew it. Um, you know, just kind of switched off, but we'll see. I, I definitely hear you. It's, uh, <sighs> Rudiger though. I think overall, just my quick comment has been just, He's terrific. Lights out. Fantastic. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, Nick, your your chance to get the last word in. I, not not a ton more to add. I, I just to, to me, I think that there are there are times, and I know that in part two we're going to talk about Aspi. There there are times I wish you know if I have one critique of his game, it's just the the final third passing. I think could be better. I don't need Aspi to be you know a seven goal scoring, you know, right back for the year. Uh, I, I don't think that's realistic and I don't think he's ever really, you know, been that guy, but you know, some of the, some of the final third passing just outside of crosses, just kind of connecting with either in Conte or William or both. Uh, it just hasn't really been there. And, you know, again, it's, it's not something that can't be worked on or fixed because of course it can. And he is the consummate professional. He will figure it out, but that was just a small thing if we're, if we're kind of looking at the back line. All right. Well, definitely more to come on that in part two. So make sure to tune in tomorrow and listen to that. Uh, but let's go ahead and run it down to the man of the match poll. Dan putting this one up saying, we'll need to run a man of the match poll ahead of tonight's recording. Who you got? He's got Rudiger, Boss Barkley. Is this where this came from? Yeah. It's my man. Eden quotes man on fire, Azard, and then Keppa Arisa Balaga are the four options. Obviously, Ed Nazard running away with it at 58%. Uh, Barkley with 24%. Keppa, 15%. And Rudiger rounding it out with 3%. Um, I'm super biased, Jeff, but I almost want to give Keppa the second place over Barkley, even though he had a goal and assist. 100%. Yeah. I think Keppa, I mean, Keppa to me could push Hazard. I mean, Hazard to me, obviously the, the choice, everything comes through him, but I mean, Keppa, he he made save after save. I wish he made one of those over um, under crossbar saves against Sturge last week, but that's that's for a different day. But he was terrific, and it seems like he's he's really getting his feet under him now. Um, and it's 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 when he has the ball at his feet, it, it's a whole level, different level of calmness than you know we've seen in the past however many years. Um, and it, it's just nice to sort of have that security with him in the ball, his feet. And now that he's making saves and he's unbelievably quick off, off his feet. Uh, maybe it's cause he's not six foot six, like some other keepers. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I think he's been terrific. I mean, Hazard to me would get the vote, but I would put Kepa second. Yo, did you see Eden's quotes on Kepa this week too? Yes, and I also saw Courtois' disaster class um, uh, yesterday. So uh, listen to Eden here saying, hey, we lost the best goalkeeper in the world, but guess what? <laughs> he's showing the love for Kepa, and rightly so. And I mean, he's essentially hinting that, you know, Keppa could be at least at that level, if not higher in the future. So um, good words from Eden on that. Um, man, all right, Nick, have you seen the uh, the table lately? You know, I was just looking at it, Brandon. That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's incredible how that works in a in a script format, huh? And your thoughts upon first glance? Are you feeling bad for Neil Warnock in Cardiff City and last? I am not. Um, he is a douche. So um, <laughs> Apparently he called Harry feel- Kane a twat. Hey, I mean, th- let let those two fight it out. Um, <laughs> I will stay out of that. Uh, I, all I will say is that uh, when when I look at the top of the table here, Mike, I, I see uh, you know three teams are tied um, on points. Uh, Manchester City has the first spot due to goal difference at plus eighteen. Chelsea coming in in second with plus thirteen, and high flying, high scoring Liverpool uh, at, at plus twelve. So. Uh, this must mean that we are clearly just miles ahead of Liverpool, right? That's what that means. I mean, I, I watched the match today. I, I wouldn't say miles ahead, but um, <laughs> Ooh, I debunked, sets, debunked you, Nick. Sets, you know. sets Mike up for failure. <laughs> response. No, much love to uh, my guy Russ and at Doyle's Pub, but um, Liverpool is not the club they were last year. Uh, that dream is dead and gone. Um, so... I think that a lot of people wrote us off. Um, and to be honest, Arsenal's looking pretty damn good right now. That's a little bit worrisome to me. They, you know, talk about scoring buckets of goals. They're putting in like three plus a match. So, you know, the guys in North London are waking up a little bit. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Jeff, only five points between seventh and first and i strategically cut off at seventh so i didn't have to include united who are in eighth yeah i also think it's uh, in addition to arsenal being kind of scary i think it's scary that that spurs seem to be in some sort of crisis right now I mean, they have a bunch of injuries and and they're they're horrible in champions league yet they're two points back um of us and once they get healthy I mean, I, it's still Tottenham, so they're not going to be a factor at the end of the year. But right now, it's, it's sort of uh, disconcerting that they're having all these issues and their supporters seem to think that the end is, end is near for their, their whole club um, with, with, with Pochettino and Kane and everybody. But, and, and yet, they're only two points back. And so that's, it's, it's not going to be a year where, where anyone runs away with it. And I do think that you know, we might have five teams within, you know, 10, 15 points of, of each other in, in late May, and, and one of them will have to be left out from the Champions League. Yeah, but we can give context to Spurs. First of all, what the hell is Poch on midweek saying his team were brave to go out and lose to Barcelona at home in the Champions League? Like, what nonsense. Second <laughs> I, of all... I believe the quote was heroes. Uh, they were heroes. Uh, my, yeah, my I stand God. corrected. Thank you for your service. next they beat cardiff one nothing who again are in last place and they had a red card in the 58th minute so they played up a man for over 30 minutes 
without you know really doing anything exciting i hear you right like i'm not saying they're playing well but like that's that's no, a, that's I, part I of it is like they're not even playing well yet they're still only two points but my, yeah my guess is though their their slide will continue to hit again especially with these injuries and the and these champions league games are not going to be able to keep up like they're just going their form's going to to slide like I personally am going to drop Harry Kane from my fantasy team because what a waste of 12 points that is to have him on the field. Um, you know, as you look at it, it, it's kind of like nervy times though, as well as we kind of tie this back to Chelsea and, and why this all matters is because there's an international break coming. I know it's not my fault. Don't shoot the messenger. Boo. But Chelsea play United after the break on uh, October 20th. And so part of it is there's all this discussion about, you know, Jose potentially getting sacked at United. And like, of course that would happen right before Chelsea. They get the new manager boost and come out and run right at us on us at Sanford Bridge. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's kind of those weird situations as we look ahead to the next game of being united and like, what all is going to happen with that? Because again, you know, it's like them, they got the victory. Um, I don't know how after being down to nothing to Newcastle, but then you remember it's Newcastle. Uh, but they showed a, just enough of a fight to think like, you know what? I don't know. Mate, can they turn it around? What, can they really? I don't believe it, but it, you know, they did show more fight and kind of heart than what we've seen out of them in the last few weeks. So we'll, we'll obviously have to keep an eye on them just based on uh, the players and the staff that they do have over there. So uh, I don't know. The table's tight. It is still early. We only have eight matches played, so we still have an entire 30 more to go. It's going to be a long haul. But again, uh, that's where it stands as we go into yet another terrible international break. <sighs> wow. Anything based off of that, Nick, that we should wrap this up with? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think that's, I think that's how I would end it is we have, we have an international break coming up, you know, boss Barkley gets called up to the England squad. So good for him. Um, let's just hope he stays healthy. Let's hope that all of our players who are going on an international duty, stay healthy. And, uh, you know, hopefully this gives, uh, Maurizio some time to look at, at film and, and work with the players who are staying back and, and, do some extra training. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and take your advice and uh, move it on. So that'll go ahead and wrap us up for this episode. Uh, Jeff, a huge thank you for coming on and joining us this Sunday evening. Yeah, man. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking Chelsea. I feel like every time I come on, it's after a Chelsea win. So uh, it was it was a good time. All right. So this will be the beginning of a 13-pod streak for Jeff as we make <laughs> another run. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, All right. Well, I, I do think we're going to put the final nail in, in Jose's coffin, by the way. Ooh. I didn't get to mention that. Ooh, I like it. Save, Strong prediction. Save the best for last. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've, I, I didn't realize that they had a negative goal differential and had given up 14 goals already. <laughs> and that, that amused me. And so I think that we're going to beat them like 3 nothing, and then Juventus is going to beat them like 4 nothing, and Jose will be done in the Premier League. Well, and, you know, everyone says they have one world-class player on their team, and it's their goalkeeper, and they still have that many goals conceded. I don't know if he, I don't know if he saved more than five shots since the start of the World Cup. Oh, he, yeah, he's not coming off a great World Cup either, so there's that. All right. Well, anyways, again, Jeff, a huge thank you. Mike, also to you for filling in for Dan the concert going man who can't be here, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so anyways, that'll wrap us up, Chelsea fans. We do have part two coming at you tomorrow or the next day, or if you're listening to this later in the week, you can find it in the directory. So you know what to do until next time, Chelsea fans. Keep the blue flag flying high.